the Good Newscast. As always, great to have you listening. We appreciate you listening. We hope this is helpful, encouraging. We hope these episodes um, clarify uh, what the Bible says about various issues. Today, as you probably saw in the title, we're going to be talking about uh, a, a heavy topic, a difficult topic to talk about, one that we wish... Uh, well, I'll say that that we look forward to the day will no longer be a topic of discussion for Christians. Yeah, that's the topic of violence, uh, broadly speaking, things like self-defense, things like um, Christians being in the military or being police officers, being in professions that require violence. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say um, things like guns. So we want to talk about what we see in the scriptures about these issues. Um, we will not, if we wade off into any waters that are less about what the Bible says and more like practical, I don't know, almost like political policy, stuff yeah. like that. That'll be super brief, if at all. Mainly want to keep this to what does the Bible say about X, Y, and Z. Um, it's been in the news. Uh, obviously, this comes up with tragic uh, shootings. When you have uh, murders, uh, corrupt people go do violent things to other people. Um, It is an unfortunate, to say the least, that's an understatement, it is a sad, dark reality of our world. One of the biggest prefaces as we get into this podcast that we will maintain and hopefully repeat is that this whole topic of violence, broadly speaking, is something we are talking about because of the uh, time. We live in a post-fall world. Uh, If sin had never entered the world, this wouldn't be a thing we talk about. And if we were in the new heavens and the new earth in glory, this is not something we will deal with. However, we have to deal with it now because we live in a fallen, corrupt, dark world. We have... Yeah. Go ahead. And so that right there is a great place to start. So in our discussion, we need to hold those two tensions together. There is the kingdom of God, and then there's the kingdom of man, if we're to use Augustine, right? The city of God, the city of man. So just that tension right there there's got to be some nuance and there's got to be meaning and language and grammar and descriptions that fit both those categories. So you can't just fuse them together as if one swallows the other and you ignore the realities, the other, or you can't separate them to such an extent that, uh, that you don't interact with them because we live in both of them in as Christians and as human beings, right? We're experiencing the kingdom of God. We are experiencing heavenly realities now, but we are also living in a, what the Bible would call a dark age. Yeah. um, Where you've got demonic forces at play. You've got our own dark sin and corruption at play, things like that. So uh, that's a huge preface that, that has to be maintained throughout this whole conversation. We're talking about a, a tragic reality and Christians long for the day, come Lord Jesus, come. Yeah. New heavens, new earth, all sin, suffering, violence, gone. Um, so before we get into this, let me make uh, one more preface, and then we're going to talk about the broad topic of violence. I'll throw it to you, Jeff. Sure. We'll do this question and answer format. The first question is going to be, can Christians ever be violent to some degree? Let me make one more quick preface that when we have this conversation, we have to avoid caricatures of people's positions who maybe disagree with us. What mm-hmm. I mean by that is, um, it's not helpful to say things like, for instance, people who think that all guns should be outlawed uh, are communists and they just want to right. disarm our nation and they're dictators. Right. No, perhaps perhaps those kind of people with those views just love people and want all death to stop. Yeah. And they think that 
by getting rid of guns, that'll happen. You know what? We're on the same team in the sense of, I want that outcome too. Mm -hmm. I want to protect life as well. We just perhaps disagree about how to go about it. The other side to say things like, well, you know, we have these shootings that happen uh, in schools with young kids. And, you know, if you think we should be able to own guns in America, you hate kids and you don't care about these shootings. No, perhaps we want the same thing. We want to protect our kids. Yeah. You think owning a gun or guns in the country will help stop bad people with guns. Yeah. And maybe another person thinks, no, getting rid of all the guns will stop bad people with guns. Okay. We disagree. But let's remember, like, let's not make caricatures and, and be silly. Right. Um, all right. Let me throw it to you. Yeah. Can Christians ever be violent? And by violent, I mean anywhere from injuring someone, maybe even not even injuring them, but just submitting them. Maybe it was some Brazilian jujitsu. Yes. Could you ever submit someone in that way, injure them? Even could a Christian ever be violent to the point of killing someone? Hmm. Not murdering someone, right. killing someone. There's a difference. Sure. And be in the right. Does the Bible ever prohibit that sort of thing? Does the Bible ever prescribe it? Thoughts? Well, I think it's important as we began this conversation so that you know we were praying that we wouldn't be stupid. So as we tackle these topics, hopefully we're not stupid, yeah. but we want to maintain a very comprehensive uh, discussion of all the complexities of this. So... I say yes, according to the scriptures, again, given that there are two kingdoms, there is the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of man. And, or as the ancients would say, there are two ages. There's this present evil age, uh, and there's the new age or the age of the spirit that Jesus has brought in. And those two ages will be here until everything is wrapped up. So there's ethics in both of them. And I think Paul is clear that there's a restraining evil ethic because of the realm of the dead or the, this present evil age that we live in. And then there's a private ethic that Jesus talks about, about forgiving, turning the other cheek. Uh, so in order to do justice to this question, we have to keep those distinctions or we are stupid. Where it's meaningless and it makes no sense and then you live in unreality and nobody can take you seriously and you're not a serious person. If you don't understand these two realms, if you don't understand these two kingdoms, it's hard to take you take a person seriously. So when Jesus talks about uh, forgiveness and he's talking about love and ethic and turning the other cheek, he is talking to the individual Christian. The individual Christian always forgives, and the individual Christian always turns the other cheek. Um, but when we're talking about uh, family and community and relationships, and now we're moving into society and civic realm, there's a restraining evil component to that too. Um, and so, for me, and we'll get to that. Yeah, and we'll get to that. So, and when and when the Bible, the ancients used to talk about government, they said the first government was the family, and then they went from there to more community tribes, right? Mm -hmm. And then they went to cities, and then they went to states, and then it's what we uh, more commonly know today as civil societies, right? Um, so Paul's real clear that there's a sword aspect to restraining evil. Um, and there's an aspect of uh, the Christian also in that realm of restraining evil in terms of others, in terms of their family, in terms of protecting others, their children. Um, 
So yes, if it requires uh, the protection of other people that I am responsible for, or, or I'm a good Samaritan, and it requires love of the other person, then yes, you better restrain the evil or you're a coward. So, uh, and, and again, as a, as a preface, we are talking about, we, we um, not a call to violence, but, and we're going to get into this, particularly in instances where, you know, you're talking about self-defense or defending other people around you. I mean, that, that's really what we're talking about, right? Correct. Christians don't wake up with a prescription to violence of some sort. The kingdom of God is not advancing itself through violence. Correct. Um, we're not a militant community in that way. We're a word community. We proclaim a message. Yep. And we trust God to work and change hearts. Yeah. Um, so I so, think Luther said it this way, which I think it's really, really good. He says the tools of the kingdom of God are the gospel and the sacraments. Yeah. And the tools of the kingdom of man is the sword and the purse or money. That's helpful. Yeah. It's very, very helpful. So I, I agree with you that there are instances in which a Christian can be violent um, all the way to potentially even killing someone. I think that yeah. this you see this particularly all throughout the Old Testament. I mean, you think of the, one of the most famous uh, stories of the Bible, David and Goliath. I think that if you have a nonviolent ethic or a pacifist uh, mindset. I, I I truly don't know what you do with David and Goliath because David was clearly in the wrong in that instance. Uh, all of Israel was in the wrong in that yeah. instance to not just lay down and be conquered or killed. And it, it, even consider David's words. Uh, I've got some scriptures here I'm going to read throughout this podcast. Yeah. Then David said to the Philistine, uh, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Very tough to get around yeah. if you have a pacifistic mindset, a nonviolent uh, mindset. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Um I'll stop there. You know what happens with David. He is violent right. with Goliath, and he's doing it, him saying explicitly in the name of the Lord with the power of God behind him. You say, well, maybe that's just the Old Testament. Maybe maybe God just kind of allowed that. He sprinkled mercy on it. Like David was not in the right at all. This is, to me, one of the most shocking verses about this stuff. Hebrews 11, you know, the hall of faith as it's popularly known. Yeah. It's praising these people who did godly things through faith. Yep. And in 30 Hebrews 11:32, and what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, David and Goliath. Hmm. And we just read and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, listen what they did, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, and then towards the end says this, that through faith, they became, quote, mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. I mean, we're doing Jonathan, and that's exactly what Jonathan just does. I mean, in, in so, 1 Samuel 14, yeah. I could go to scripture after scripture where God even calls his people to, to be violent for his purposes. Now, again... This gets into a whole nother thing when we talk about Israel and a yeah. theocracy. Correct. Okay, that is not the church today. We don't have an Correct. army. We're not to have an armory. Yeah. None of That's that. That's not our tools. Okay? Our tools is the gospel and the sacraments. I'm Prayer. Simply, yep. I'm simply trying to affirm that 
that you can be in a in in certain instances a mm-hmm. Christian can be violent and in the right. Mm-hmm. A believer can be violent and in the right uh, in in doing so. Now, at the very least, the burden of proof is trying to prove otherwise. At the very least, the burden of proof. If you read the Bible from Genesis yeah. to Revelation, and you come out saying, "Yeah." A Christian can never be violent. The burden of proof is massively on you yeah. to show from Scripture extremely clearly yeah. how Israel and all these explicit texts and how David and how even Hebrews 11 is sitting there saying, by faith, they, were, they became mighty in war. Yeah. What does that mean? It sounds like he's saying, by faith, they became mighty in sin. Yeah. <laughs> if they... So... Now, a couple objections let's talk about. Mm-hmm. One objection can be, but violence, we are called to love people. Mm-hmm. We are called to love our enemies. There's no way to be loving and violent. And therefore, if a Christian is violent uh, at any point, there's no way they're loving. So there's no way uh, that a Christian can ever be violent. Yeah, that's certainly a a a definition or an understanding of love, um, I would probably expand it a little better. Maybe just let's get like really, really practical. I think it's absolutely loving uh, to restrain a murderer from murdering your family or, or a school or kids. I think it's even loving to restrain the murderer from murdering. In other words, that justice because of love and love of God's human image bearers and love of God's creation to restrain what's wrecking it is an act of love that justice then factors into the definition of love restraining evil factors into the definition of love Uh, otherwise too I mean God ultimately cleanses the new heavens and the new earth we have the new heavens and new earth it's he's loving, he's judging yeah. is yeah. an active, it's his love in action. It's his holiness in action. Yeah. It's his love in action. So again, the burden of proof is, is on that understanding that definition yeah. of love. Um, yeah. I mean, in the olden days, it's kind of interesting how uh, there are records of uh, folks that had committed murder or heinous crimes, say in England, and there are documents that they become Christians uh, and that they embrace that they're going to go see their savior and look absolutely forward to seeing their savior. And at the same time say, this is right, that this happens to me, that, that my life is taken, that the, the cost, that the consequence, the restraining, that this is a just sentence. I think that's absolutely fascinating. But what that tells me is that they were breathing the air of a different view of the scriptures and a different view or a fuller view of what we're talking about here. And maybe our understanding of love and our ethic that we're trying to uh, talk about or even address today is more breathing a different air. It's breathing uh, the different understanding of scriptures, maybe not even understanding the two kingdoms, not even understanding the two ages and maybe fusing them or separate. Anyhow, it just seems yep, to yep. me that that could be happening. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, that it's circular argument to say there's no way that a, a Christian could ever be violent. A godly person could be violent because we are to love. Well, that's just kind of a circular way of you're saying that 
that love, uh, being a loving person completely and totally excludes being violent, but that's the whole question at play. So if someone yeah. says that they have to then go into the scriptures to show how godliness or being a loving person is totally and utterly excludes ever being violent. And I don't think you can find that in the Bible. Uh, we have to define love by God's law and what he calls us to, what he has called people to do in the past, yeah. things like that. Another and maybe objection. it's queer, clear just to state that real quick on the on thou shall not murder that that's what the ten you know one of the commandments is mm-hmm. murder it's not saying thou shall not kill yeah correct that's also important yep correct so for instance a, a a difference there would be that you know when the state justly executes someone after they are found guilty of a murder uh, they're being killed for their murdering yes they're not being murdered for their murder. Those are two different things. Yes. So the Ten Commandments is saying thou shalt not murder, um, but that is not the same thing as it's saying thou shalt, you, you shall never kill someone. Right. Okay. And Paul makes that clear in Romans 13 that the state is a servant that carries the sword. It's my servant. Yep. I mean, that's an interesting... We'll get there. Okay. Two more. I'll do this one and then you can do the next one. Yeah. Uh, some will say... You know, a Christian, a godly person, a loving person can never be violent because people are never our enemy, that that a, a human being is never the enemy, that we are fighting against um, principalities and powers, right? Ephesians, we're not fighting a war against flesh and blood. That's what I've been trying to say. Again, I want to make that super clear that the church does not look at people and say, like, we're here to take over in military style fashion. No. <laughs> Paul in Ephesians, the Bible makes it very clear, our war is not, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Right. It's against principalities, powers. Some might say, well, that shows right there that like a human being is never the enemy to fight and therefore ever be violent against. I think that this is a, um, I don't exactly know how to say this, but I think that it's a, it's just an incomplete uh, understanding of the world. Yeah. When Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood, um, it's against principalities and powers. Um, he, he is not forgetting the fact that, well, let's just say it like this. When we're called to love our enemies, there's a huge assumption there that we have them. Yeah. So we can't say things like people are never the enemy when we're called to love our enemies. If we don't have them, how do we, there's, how do we love me- them? That's meaningless. Yeah. How do we forgive them? Yeah. What do you do with the many, many Psalms? that lament my enemies coming against me. Yeah. It's a it's a half truth if you will to say yeah, that is true. Like there are principalities and dark powers and cosmic rulers Ephesians mm-hmm. says at play and at work 100%. So we don't have this naturalistic mindset about the world. Uh we have a full biblical understanding of the world. But also the sad reality is, is that sometimes people choose to be an enemy of someone. So They're active agents. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when they, when you have a shooter walk into a school, yeah. do not tell me um, in no form or fashion is that person our enemy. We're just fighting the demons influencing them. No, how about both? Yeah. How about that person is absolutely my enemy seeking to do harm against my friends and my family and my community. And so are the dark cosmic rulers influencing them. Right. I think that both and is very key to understanding that passage. Um, Numbers 10, 9, and then we'll move to the next. And when you go to war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you, 
Then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets that you may be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. The Bible, it is a foreign concept to the Bible to say, like, I have no enemies, <laughs> that humans are never the enemy. Right. No, they sometimes are. Um, if someone breaks into my house at night to hurt or harm my family, they are my enemy. Yes. Um, and yes, I'm called to love them, which we'll kind of talk about maybe mm-hmm. what that looks like. Uh, last one, you respond. Some might say, okay, but violence, a Christian can cannot be violent ever in any instance uh, because we are to spread the gospel. How could we possibly be people evangelistic seeking to spread the gospel but then potentially be violent at times and if necessary. Yeah, I, I think again, it's just that those two those two kingdom realities. So, for instance, if we're talking about martyrdom, if we're talking about um, you know the state uh, or a group of people um, collectively getting together, whatever the Bible calls the world coming together to persecute Christians and persecute believers for. Uh, resting and relying and rejoicing in Jesus alone as the Savior and as our salvation, and you're being persecuted for that, and your life is going to be taken for that. That's, uh, that's one discussion. That's, a, that's one element that's absolutely true. And at that, that doesn't require self-defense. Um, that is, I will not deny Jesus um, by God's grace, right? All of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that would be the case. Uh, but when we're talking about someone breaking into your house, uh, what would call random acts of evil or intentional shooters coming into places, love calls you to restrain um, yeah. and protect those that are there yeah. and to restrain that shooter, that that's actually the most loving thing for them uh, is to them not be a murderer. I think it's a it's another incomplete complete complete yeah. uh, right. It's kind of like saying, well, Christians are also supposed to cook dinner for their kids if they have kids. Like that's <laughs> required of me. Right. So if someone breaks into my house at night, am I supposed to cook dinner? You know, I'm supposed to cook dinner, so I can't be violent. Yeah. So do I cook dinner? <laughs> do I share the gospel? <laughs> right. It kind of ignores that 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 Christians don't just wake up and go, okay, like it's time to go share the gospel with people. There are so many more aspects to life and to living. Um, Yes. The church is here is this bastion of truth. Yeah. Uh, That just doesn't, it it doesn't uh, practically make sense to say, and because the church is to spread the gospel, you can never ever potentially be violent in the, in a needed circumstance. That doesn't tell me any, if someone breaks in my house at night to kill my family, do I share the gospel with them? Like, tell after me I've res- how, uh, after I've restrained. How them. does that work? Because I'm I'm also called to pray. Yeah. Do I kneel down and pray while sharing the gospel? I'm also called to go to church on Sunday. Do I yeah, say true. sorry? Don't you know? Yeah. I'm called to a lot of things. It's just a. It's a one. It just shows again. There's just a. It's almost like there's there's an immature reading of scripture. Yeah. There's a flatlining of scripture. Right. There's not a textual terrain to the scripture we think there's a textual terrain there's you know the bible is a highly selective theological history so you've got historical acts running from genesis to revelation and then but are highly selective acts of god breaking into human history right these are divine events and then the scripture comes alongside and gives you a theology or a doctrine an interpretation of them highly selective 
So what it's saying is a theological history. It's not an exhaustive history. It's not telling you everything that's happened in the world from Genesis to Revelation. It's redemptive acts. God's breaking into this world. And then God saying, here's what this means. Um, so the Bible must be read that way. It can't be read in a flat line way as if mm-hmm. it doesn't have an ultimate story to tell or an ultimate context by which everything is interpreted in light of that. So even the stuff we're talking about, like right now, makes absolutely no sense in light of the story of redemption and in light of the story of the two kingdoms Mm -hmm. and light of the story of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you just grab a text and say, love one another, turn the other cheek, and you don't have any context of the fall, of redemption, and where everything's going, uh, you, you read the Bible in a very stupid way. Brings us to our next big topic, which we've already obviously started to answer this, but can Christians ever practice self-defense? That could be self-defense that merely submits someone painlessly, which is possible, um, injures them, potentially even kills them. Can Christians practice um, self-defense? I've got a couple scriptures here that I definitely want to read that I think are helpful, but thoughts on that. Again, I know we've already kind of got into this, but... Does the Bible prohibit self-defense? Um, does it ever prescribe it? Can Christians practice self-defense? Of course they can. Yeah, I mean, the short answer is given, I mean, just even all that we've been talking about, it, of course we can. Some people would say to you, uh, perhaps many Christians would say, but, but Jeff, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is getting arrested. Peter whips out his weapon. Right. Apparently, the disciples carried weapons. Right. Uh, and starts a fight. He misses, cuts a guy's ear off, um, and Jesus says, "Put your sword away." <laughs> Some would say that is Jesus practicing a no self defense ethic. That Peter should not be defending himself. He shouldn't be defending Jesus. He shouldn't be violent. Right. Yeah. He should be a passive. That's that flatlining scripture again. I mean, what's happening? Jesus is going to the cross. Jesus is fulfilling the salvation accomplishment of wretched, broken, messed up people like us. So of course, don't stop this. And of course, that kingdom doesn't come by the sword. Again, that kingdom comes by the death and resurrection and ascension and reign of Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, That's the kingdom that is most real. That's the kingdom that will ultimately Uh, be here. That's the kingdom that cannot lose. That's the kingdom that's moving right now amidst another kingdom, Mm -hmm. amidst what is very clearly called the realm of the dead, uh, this present evil age. Now, when we're in this present evil age as a part of this kingdom, uh, there are very clear like martyr type situations. Um, Do you deny Jesus, you, your family, this church? Are you being attacked and persecuted, like Revelation says, the beast energizing the state to come for you because you believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are the times of martyrdom, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, But at the same time, that doesn't explain the random acts of evil in this present evil age Mm -hmm. of going to the street or uh, a shooter going into a school or someone breaking into your house. That's a whole other discussion. And you are definitely called definitely called to love your family and love your neighbor to restrain that. So um, Jesus says, uh, 
Peter to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So some would say that's a, Jesus is trying to teach Peter about self-defense there. Oh, my word. And I would say two things. Number one, I'm pretty sure what was on Jesus' mind as he's getting arrested to do his principal central climactic work of dying for the sins of the world, he wasn't concerned with teaching about a self-defense ethic. He probably could have already done that, done it later. Yep. Um, I'm making a big assumption there that that wasn't on Christ's mind. Number two, it's explicit in the text. of He's telling us why he tells Peter to put his sword away. He doesn't say, Peter, put your sword away because we're pacifists. He says, put your sword away in the same way that, remember when uh, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan? Jesus says, I'm going to die. And Peter goes, no, you're not. That's that's not why you came. That's not why the Messiah is here. Jesus says, no, no, no. That's the thinking of Satan, Mm -hmm. that I'm not here to die, that I'm here to take over by the sword. And so the same thing's happening here. Peter doesn't get it. This is normal for the disciples. They don't get it. They're confused about, after even years with Jesus, why he came, what he came to do, that he is going to die as a sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. He's going to rise from the dead. He's going to ascend. They're confused. Um, And that's why he says, put your sword away. Should I not drink the cup the Father's given me? Should I not go forward and be crucified? The answer is, no, I should. So you don't need to fight. This is all, Peter, this is all according to plan. The point here is that it's not a self-defense lesson. It's a lesson in the gospel. You don't understand the gospel yet. Mm -hmm. You will. It's all going to make sense to you here in just a little bit. When I rise from the dead, you don't understand, put the sword away. Um, Because, I mean, if there's a self-defense ethic, he doesn't say put it back into its sheath. He says, go throw it away. You shouldn't have a sword in the first place. I mean, why didn't he tell Peter? I mean, when Peter showed up, for the Bible study with a sword. Why didn't Peter go, why do you have a sword? We're pacifists. (laughs) He never does it. Right. In fact, in fact, at one point Jesus tells them to buy swords. So Luke 22, Jesus says to them, he said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag, take it and likewise a knapsack and let the one who has no sword, sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors for what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. I guess they're saying, like, like, look, we have two swords, two swords. among us, yeah. right? And he said to them, it is enough. So yeah. we have a clear, explicit example in Scripture of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, saying, go get some weapons. Yeah. Um, he is not telling them to go get swords to play pretend. He's not telling them to get swords to have as, like, I don't know, antiques that they carry around. Right. The plain reading of Scripture is he's telling them to get swords and if you take into account all of Scripture, that potentially there's going to be times that they need to use those swords. Yeah. He's not give, telling them to have swords to pick a fight. No. And he's not telling them to have swords to stop being uh, martyred for my sake. Right. He's not telling them to have swords to advance the kingdom of God. He's telling them to have swords because they live in a present evil age. Yeah. And random acts of violence and evil could be perpetrated on those they love and they are to restrain the evil. Exactly. And it needs to be said again and again that, uh, you know, yeah, he's not saying start an armory, right? Because we're going to take over by the sword. That's why he says those who live by the sword, let me get this right. Um, uh, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Yeah. He's not saying there, therefore, uh, you can never ever be violent. 
I think what he's saying there is I didn't come to save by the sword. Right. Like everyone thinks I did. Right. Everyone thinks the Messiah is going to come and overthrow Rome. We're all the and, zealots. We're all, he was being lumped in one of those groups. And that's why Rome, yeah. Rome had to check that out. Is he going to be one of them? Yeah. I'm going to lead by uh, militant strength. Right. That's how I'm going to save people. Right. Not, that's how I'm going to save. I'm going to eternally save souls by dying. Yeah. By letting the sword take over me. Right. Um, and so for Christians, it's like, again, the kingdom of God advances. The kingdom of God only advances by the gospel, the sacraments, prayer. Uh, these are the tools of this kingdom alone. No sword. Yeah. yeah. But the Bible is absolutely clear that the tools of this present evil age is the sword, is the purse. Um and to, again, not take each of these two kingdoms seriously and let them be distinct and yet overlapping each other. In other words, the kingdom of God is breaking into this world's realm, breaking into this present evil age, breaking into the gates of hell, is happening in the midst of the gates of hell and rescuing and redeeming and transforming people uh, is just not complete it's just a very shallow, immature reading of the scripture. Um, all right, before we move to to kind of war and military, can Christians have a profession that requires violence at times? You know, some might say, you know, um, and I think this can be somewhat of a general view. Sometimes in the church, and it's probably affected by culture, I think sometimes in the church we can have kind of like a soft um, view uh and, and in particular kind of even of men um and it, i I should, I should say this like sometimes we can just kind of have a pacifistic view yeah um, even if we're not taught it explicitly we don't even hold it fully we can kind of lean towards this like hey we just kind of need to be soft and and that's like what love is right um and and sometimes people might say and and see like we're supposed to take up our cross daily you know we're supposed to die daily you know and that doesn't accord with potentially ever being violent and just a a quick note on that again this is like if you take the scripture seriously and you want to really understand them obviously taking up our cross daily is not a ethic on self-defense or violence because we don't literally take up a cross every day we don't literally die every day we're clearly talking about something else what we're talking about there what jesus is talking about there is repeated in the new testament colossians 3 uh, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ, who is your life. Verse 5, put to death, therefore what's earthly in you. Yeah. When we talk about taking up our cross daily, that's not a that's not a self-defense ethic. No. You know, that, that and you're it's not an to, aesthetic ethic either, right? Someone breaks in your house, breaks in your school, and you're supposed to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to die daily. Right. It has nothing to do with that, right? It's... Um, it might push you to think about that ethic, yeah. right? As you're supposed to die to your sinful desires. That's it. Okay, now we're in a great realm of saying, is it a sinful desire to want to self-defend myself? Great question. Right. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Dying daily is I'm going to die to my sinful nature, my sinful lusts and desires, yes. and I'm going to seek to live according to God's law. All right, let's start kind of wrapping this up a bit. Yeah. War, military, police. Sure. Uh, can Christians potentially... Uh, can Christians potentially be in a uh, career path, have a job that might require violence, such as being a police officer, being in the military, 
insofar as those don't require sin, okay, you know, mm-hmm. certainly if you to become a police officer, if you have to worship the police captain, no, you can't be a police officer because right. insofar as, as having that job doesn't require you to sin in some way, mm-hmm. but it might require violence. Yeah. Can a Christian do those kind of jobs? Yes, because, I mean, Paul makes that absolutely clear again that the kingdom of this world uh, is the sword, uh, it's restraining evil, it's promoting a just social order. Um, and so uh, is it perfect justice? Absolutely not. It's always going to be approximate, always. Uh, because of the image of God and because this is God's world, there's always an approximate. It, the, the image and creation is not completely erased. It's defaced, but not erased. So yes, of course, Christians engage in the culture. And of course, you're a, a citizen of this kingdom of this world and you're a citizen of the kingdom to come and the citizen of the kingdom to come, the citizen of the kingdom of God defines the way you handle and relate to this world's realm, to the kingdom of man, to the city of man. Um, but you look at Jesus again, I mean, the every soldier that, that came to know him, he did not tell them to leave. Uh, I mean, that's just like explicit. He didn't command them now to now leave the military. Um, which would seem like if it was forbidden Mm -hmm. for a Christian to be, this would be the time, because Jesus had no qualms telling people to not go sin in certain areas, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, So that's set. Also, Paul clearly states that the civil realm is a servant of the Lord. Again, it has its place in restraining and promoting approximate justice in this world that we live in, where the two ages are overlapping and one's breaking into the other. So yes, of course. Um, I, I, um, I can understand that you can have, uh, what do you call it? A conscientious objector? Is that what that is? Like, I think that, what was that movie that was so good about the Guadalcanal? Uh, but anyhow, that guy had a conscientious Mm -hmm. objection. Of course. I mean, I'm, I would respect that, Yeah. but to forbid a Christian, from being in the military yeah. or being in the police and civil authorities and restraining sin, you would think and you would hope that Christians would want to be a part of that, that you would want Christians to actually yeah. be a part of restraining evil and promoting justice, uh, as opposed to not. So you're referencing, for listeners, Romans 13, Paul talks about the government, essentially, and yeah. how the government is to... Um, is to restrain evil, is to keep the peace in society, mm-hmm. and they do that by the sword. Um, yeah. So, uh, Romans thirteen four for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Obviously, we're getting into a lot of providential realities there, mm-hmm. that God can work through... Uh, a police department that is full of people who don't believe in him, yep. but he can actually providentially work through them to restrain evil and to carry out his own judgment. Um, I think this is where that burden of proof thing really lies. I agree. I think that Christians can be in the military, can be in the police, and so far as there's not some requirement to sin um, in, in that regard. You, you know, I think like in ancient uh, uh, times and, and especially like ancient Rome, you know, they, they potentially had to like worship Caesar, Caesar it, right. to be in the military, right? Yep. That's kind of what I'm referring to. Uh, it seems odd to me to read that verse and to say that this is how God is righteously using um, 
uh, potentially a, a police force or a military or what, you know, let's think police for keeping the peace in a society and community. It seems odd to say that's how God is using it, but Christians are prohibited from being a part of it. Because if anything, the whole Bible and even just my logic would lead me to say, I wish that every police officer in my town and every soldier in my nation's army was a Christian. Yeah. That's what I wish. I wish that they that they were people who believed and trusted in Jesus and and sought to live after his law. Yeah. Because when you take out ethics and morality, what happens in war? I mean, why is it that we have laws against war crimes? Because it's not just that nations go to war. They then start pillaging. Yeah. They start doing atrocious things. Like, you've won the war, and now you Power. are committing uh, atrocities. Yeah, just... I would much rather every police officer in my city be a Christian mm-hmm. and seek and fear God and, and want to honor God and want to, I would much rather every police officer view everyone that they pull over and see as someone made in God's image. Yeah. I mean, do we want our police officers to view everyone they interact with as like the products of evolution and they're just kind of like a clump of cells and there's really no inherent value to them over and above a horse? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that will lead us to unbelievable atrocities. Yeah. So that's like where I go theologically is I go, there's a precedent for God's people being in the military and being in these kind of, uh, uh, positions. I, I also just logically, and obviously my logic doesn't equal the word of God, but even just logically, I'd go, I'd want them all to be Christians. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to uphold God's law. Um, Numbers is a great place to go in the Old Testament if you kind of want to get some precedent for God's people being in the military and things like that. Um, But we'll kind of move on. Let's touch on this last subject of guns. Sure. Um, Can Christians Christians own uh, a weapon of some sort? We'll use guns. That's obviously a very uh, sensitive, uh, hot topic in our nation and and culture. Can Christians own a gun? I would say yes, they are. They can own a gun. I don't think the Bible tells every Christian to own a gun or a weapon. I don't yeah. think it prescribes it in that way. I think it's a matter of freedom for Christians mm-hmm. if they want to own a gun. Obviously, there's many different uses for guns or knives or these sort these sorts of legal weapons and legal firearms. I think that a Christian is free to own a legal firearm according to the laws of our land. Um, there's many different uses uh, for uh, a gun, obviously. So there can be different reasons why a Christian would want to own a gun. What's the concern with this particular, this question? Is it just because the, the weapon or the, the gun, the weapon, the knife is seen as inherently wrong or evil? Is that the... Yeah, I mean, I think the major pushback in our country with guns is, obviously there's a spectrum here, but I think that it's, on the one side, it's... it's um, it's ignoring the obvious, which is that guns do not make plans to do bad things Correct. and execute those plans. Right. There are many different pieces of metal and machinery in our world that can make objects go fast. There are many different mach- piece, machinery uh, machines that can kill mm-hmm. if used in the wrong way. That's just a fact, right? Um, it's all about how they're used. So uh, I think the pushback right now and a lot of the the issue with guns is that there's kind of a, I think I have a problem with even the term gun violence 
because guns inherently are not violent. They don't do violent things by themselves. People are violent, and we use things like guns, knives, baseball bats, cars, planes, bombs. Like we we use weapons, we make weapons to do bad things. Right. Um, I think that that's the pushback, and I think that that's where the conversation has to at least begin and even revolve around, right? So it's not even, this is not a question of sport at this point, this is not like do uh, the conversation today. I don't hear people saying that you now you shouldn't even a Christian shouldn't even have a gun for sport. So usually the the question is going to be: Does the Christian have a gun for self defense yeah, or yeah. to restrain evil yeah. uh, as for the family yeah. for a community? Yeah, I mean, I think guns is it fits in from my perspective. It fits into this overall discussion. Everything we've just said. Um, I don't see that it it adds anything. I mean, I like being trained in certain ways and sports of yeah. growing up uh, in far as non-lethal yeah. weapons, which I'm perfectly fine and, and have enjoyed the sport of that and feel being trained even further to be able to restrain someone that way, I think is, uh, I don't know, I think it's fine. I think it's great. Um, now you add a weapon into the mix. I, I think it's the same kind of theological perspective that we've been communicating. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing with it, again, in terms of the freedom of the Christian, the disciples carried weapons. Yeah. The disciples walking around with Jesus were clearly, uh, they were carrying weapons. They so were carrying this, is a, this, is a, this is the freedom of the Christians, the yeah. freedom of conscience, and it's, yeah. it's done between you and God and... I think the, the the side that I do not like is the side that prohibits it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For so sure. if the state is prohibiting that, or Christians are saying you shouldn't do that, again, the bur- for the Christian, yeah. the burden of proof is on you, Correct. because it's clear that in the Bible it's happened, and Jesus even endorsed it. Yeah. And Paul clearly endorses it. Um, the burden of proof is majorly on the side that someone would say, biblically speaking, you should not own a weapon. Uh, because if anything, when Jesus tells his disciples, go get weapons again, I'm not saying that is him telling you and us and every Christian to get a weapon. That's not, not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if I had to lean anywhere, we have this explicit command of the savior telling his disciples to carry weapons. That's what a sword is. He's not telling them to carry steak knives for dinner later. Right. It's a sword. Um, so in our modern a view of things it's a gun yeah. uh, you know so uh, again I, I think it's a matter of freedom of the christian that christians are free to have a weapon they're free to have a weapon for purposes of self-defense they're free to have a weapon or a gun for purposes of hunting mm-hmm. um whatever it might be in terms of uh what is lawful of course yeah uh so i don't know that we necessarily want to get into kind of some of the political uh, stuff with that like i said at the beginning i kind of wanted to keep this podcast like here's what the bible says because I think that in that realm of guns in particular, um, like I said, I can respect someone who says, I want to protect lives because mm-hmm. I go, me too. Like we're on the same team there. Yeah. Now that person may say, and I think in order to do that, you know, we need to ban certain weapons or all of them, you know, like let's go to the extreme. That person may say, I think that nobody should be able to have a gun in America. Mm-hmm. Personally, totally disagree with you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and listen, I'm not even like, 
I don't even need to talk about the constitution. Like right. I, it's not even, <laughs> so I think that that's unconstitutional, but throw mm-hmm. that out for a second. I disagree with you just logically. Yeah. Just logically speaking. Um, I, I, I can never be convinced. <laughs> like, let's say we literally took out every gun out of the country. They're not even in America. Do not tell me that a bad guy is not going to go over to, to be determined nation sneak a weapon back in and use it it like um right so uh i agree with the ends like let's protect life right personally i would disagree but it's that naive how to it's do that it. now it's again it's that naive understanding of you know the reality of fallen human nature wrecked human nature yeah evil in us evil in yeah. the world we've already said that the principalities um so it's very yeah. naive. Yeah. I also think we, we, we do have uh, a lot of gun laws and a lot of gun restrictions in our country. You know, I think mm-hmm. that sometimes people talk about guns as though it's like the Wild West. And they'll even say things that aren't true. Like Absolutely. you can purchase a gun without getting a background check. Check Not true. Correct. Um, we have lots of laws. I want good gun laws. I want good laws regarding guns and who can yeah. own them, things like that. I'm even open to conversation that I assume <laughs> that any given law could probably get better. Biblically speaking, I also know that the very problem, as you just said, the very problem with our world is we are lawbreakers. Yeah. So um, there are stop signs all over the place and every single day people get hurt and maybe even killed because people run stop signs. Yeah. Laws can only do so much. And this is that realm. This is what's so important too. This is the realm of wisdom. You know, the political realm in a lot of ways is a realm of wisdom, unless there's like clear, explicit breaking of the law of God in policies, right? It it comes down to wisdom. So I'm always puzzled how Christians are so certain about so many policies in the political realm, right? uh, particularly in this area, um, when it is an issue of freedom, Christian freedom, and it's an issue of wisdom. Yeah. And again, wisdom is taking from the reality, it's taking the full spectrum of reality. And if you're going to be wise at all, you need to understand the two realms, the two kingdoms. And you need to understand that they're never to be confused and never to be uh, eliminated in this life at this time until Jesus comes back. So you and I and everybody else has to operate in a world that has these two kingdoms. Yep. And uh, that's being wise. And the Bible seems to address them really well. I don't think we're able to to jump into one and into the other. I don't think we're as swift-footed as a church as we should be in this current generation. But ancients, they did a really, they probably did a much better job than we did in reading the Bible and handling the two kingdoms. This is a topic that it has to be addressed. Every Christian has most Christians probably have thought about this to some degree, you know, um, even as we make this podcast, I'm like, man, I'd much rather be making a podcast about a lot of other stuff, yeah. you know, than having to talk about things like violence or, um, you know, self-defense, things like that. But the reality is that, uh, regardless of how I feel, we live in a fallen, corrupt world yeah. influenced by dark powers and our own sin. And the reality is, I mean, this is where sometimes... Um, you know, people will kind of talk about like, man, like we shouldn't have to secure our schools. You know, we shouldn't have to be thinking about these things. And I go, man, 
I wish we didn't have to. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But yeah, that's we not, have to. Yeah, that's not happening until right. every tear is wiped. Until glory. Yeah. So I know that's how we feel. Yeah. And I feel that too. Yeah. I wish we didn't have to think about this. Yeah. I feel that with <laughs> everyone else. I just, I know, I think Christians have to take that next step and say, but we have to. And I wouldn't even, quite frankly, if we're going to be honest, I wouldn't even be very concerned about this topic if it wasn't for how even this last shooting yep. is so personal to us, right? For sure. Um, a sister church, uh, we know the people. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, that's why we're talking about this. And it's obviously... Um, resonating or it's a conversation that's happening in the church yeah. and it's happening in the culture and it just can't be ignored anymore. Um, so again, yeah. wrapping it all up, y'all, it's two kingdoms. Uh, if you want to be wise, you want to be able to navigate those two kingdoms because that's the only way you're going to be able to take the full comprehensive look at all of what scripture is saying. Otherwise, you're going to flatline it and you're going to smush the two kingdoms into one stew and be completely confused and not able to navigate all the scriptures that talk about the two kingdoms and the realities. You're going to be doing scripture judo on one all the time or ignoring the others and then being absolutely incomplete. You're going to always be that that bodybuilder with no legs. You'll be overdeveloped in one area and underdeveloped in the other and not very helpful to anybody. All right, y'all. Hopefully this is helpful. I know that, that everything we said could raise even more questions. That's why we did a longer podcast for us. Um, just, just to try to explain, be clear, again, use scripture uh, uh, to, uh, to explain these views. If you have any questions, you can always reach out directly to us at goodnewsnotgoodadvice.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, until next time.